This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. The talks of these seminars are now made available to you in segments. They are for your enlightenment and edification. We continue from what we saw in the previous segment. Now, this morning, my subject that I have before me is rather a lengthy subject, but a very important subject at that. The subject is spiritual warfare. In the name of spiritual warfare, people are engaged in various activities. The first thing that is gaining popularity is prayer walks or prayer marches. According to Jesus, prayer must be essentially offered in secret. He did not encourage praying in public. For understanding the root of this doctrine, we should again get back to the Sermon on the Mount. Sixth chapter. That is the central of the three chapters which contain the Sermon on the Mount of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at verses 5 and 6. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, but you, Jesus Christ gives a definite change of pattern. You heard Moses said like this, but I say unto you. Ah, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, several times, even from Moses, he deferred and he said, you have heard Moses telling you, but I say unto you. Now you have to take my words, that is a solid rock. And we must stick to the doctrine of Christ. But you, when you pray, go into a room. Not only go into a room, you better shut your door also. And pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. E.M. Bounds has been the greatest classic writer on the subject of prayer. Many people who have read his book became missionaries and stalwarts all over the world. I want to quote E.M. Bounds this morning. The secret of prayer is praying in secret. I'll say that again. The secret of prayer is praying in secret. Jesus, during his earthly sojourn, often withdrew himself into places of solitude for prayer. He just went away from the people and he got himself lost in the prayer exercise. I will tell you something, it might surprise you. Jesus never prayed for any sick person. 
you cannot find a single instance in the four gospel that jesus praying for a sick person he simply healed the sick he never prayed for a sick person he simply healed them this is not without reason there is some purpose behind all those things what is his prescription pray in secret and preach in public matthew 10th chapter i look at verse 27 whatever i tell you in the dark when you are privately having your discourse with me in prayer when you are communicating with me when you are fellowshipping with me whatever i tell you in the dark that you speak in the light and what you hear in the ear that you preach on the house tops even if the place where you are ministering the gospel is hostile to the gospel that is the prescription if it is a place hostile to the gospel even there you should just follow this pattern that's what we read in verse 28 don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul that means he's talking about a place where you are there to minister and that people of that place they are hostile to the gospel that time also you are supposed to confine your prayer in private and then you go out on the house top to proclaim the word peter was imprisoned in prison what did the believers do they did not go around a prayer march around the walls of the prison what did they do they got themselves shut inside the room and they prayed god who heard them in secret reward them in public immediately you have a question what about the seven day march around jericho this incident does not teach us about prayer walk or spiritual warfare this was just a military strategy for the siege of a city nowhere the bible says they were shouting praises unto god they were simply shouting it was a military shout so god was teaching the people of israel to obey him implicitly you go every day once and on the seventh day you do it seven times god was testing their trust and obedience upon him did they go to bless the city they went there to destroy the city that is not a picture of evangelism they did not go to save the people they went to destroy the people it was not a gospel campaign for peace but it was a crusade of destruction even the gold and silver and other materials precious materials inside that place god called it a cursed thing so the walls of jericho incident have got nothing to do 
with spiritual warfare prayer or prayer marches. And our fight is not on the horizontal level. You don't take your rifle like this and shoot that person at your eye level. Now when you talk about this kind of uh, spiritual warfare prayer or marches, we are unconsciously losing a scriptural pattern. Now where are the evil powers? They are in the heavenly places. Where do we read that? For completeness sake, several of you know the answer, but for completeness sake of our study, we will look at those references. Please do turn to the Bible references. 6.12 of Ephesians. Whether it is principalities or powers or rulers of darkness or spiritual hosts of wickedness, where are they? They are in the heavenly places. And why is Jesus? All these evil powers are in the heavenlies. Why is Jesus? He is above these principalities. He is on again still a higher level. Turn with me to Ephesians 1st chapter. Verses 20 and 21. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And what are those heavenly places? Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. What are the evil spirits? In the heavenlies. Where is Christ? Not above, far above. It says far above. Where are we? We are seated with Him in the heavenlies. That's what we read in Ephesians 1st chapter 3rd verse. All these references in the same book. So they talk about one full truth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Where are the evil powers? In the heavenlies. Why is Jesus? So Christ is seated far above all principalities. Where are you and me? We are seated with Him in the heavenly places. We don't shoot the enemy at the horizontal plane. We attack the enemy from above Him. That concept we should constantly remember when we talk about the spiritual warfare. We are now in this Yesu Pannai, Jesus form in Theni. Now if something has to go on in Madurai, and we want some people of one locality to be saved or met with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't need to take a bus and go to Madurai and go on a prayer march before the conference. Because my Bible says, Follow that statement, after going from here, if you forget the whole thing, 
Don't forget one phrase. But the Bible says. But the Bible says. That is the only thing I want to teach you during these three days. But the Bible says. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, 23rd chapter, 23rd words, easy to remember. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord? Am I not a God afar off? Reach people in Madurai and pray for them. You don't need to go to Madurai. You pray from Taini. People there in Madurai will be converted. Because God is challenging you. Am I a God near at hand in Taini only? Am I not a God for Madurai also? No, no, brother. But God told Joshua, wherever you lay your foot, that place I will give it to you. Now turn with me to the book of Joshua. We look at all these things because if it is the truth, any number of times you critically analyze it, it will become purer and purer like a silver that is turned into the furnace. It will not become weak. It will become only strong. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. This, as we already studied in the, under the subject of promises of God, is a national promise. It had geographical limitations. Every place means Joshua cannot come to India and claim that. God gave a boundary. It is a national promise with geographical boundaries. Now look at the fourth words. The wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. Now you can easily put it there on your world map. So God gave a map. God gave a geographically defined boundary. And he said, in that land, wherever you put your foot, that land I have given you. But for the New Testament church, it is not places, but it is people. Now, this is what I so clearly taught you in the first seminar. That's why the first seminar is the foundation for the second seminar. Did he say, go into all the world and wherever you set your foot, I will give that place to you? No. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It is not place, it is creature. It is not whatever place, but it is whoever listens and obeys will be saved. Whatever God told Joshua, the word was whatever. What God has told the New Testament church is whoever. It is not whatever, it is whoever.
whoever believes will be saved. You can go to your place. And it may be a big village. And you may just have all the powers to cast out devils and preach the gospel. Did Jesus guarantee that that village will be given to them? On the other hand, he told them, when you go there, they may receive you. If they receive you, stay there. If they don't receive you, don't be standing around there and cleaning that place. No, simply shake off even the dust and you can come away. In Old Testament, it is places. In the New Testament, it is people. So this is the basic doctrinal problem. That is the reason for most of the unscriptural practices. Now the apostles went to so many places in their missionary journey. Were they not aware of the promise that God gave to Joshua? Ah, wherever you put your foot, that place will be given to you. In many places, they were not only sent away from the village, they were dispelled from their very region. The word dispelled is given there. An example is Acts of the Apostles 13 chapter. That is how the first team just now went out on their missionary career. They shook off the dust from their feet against them according to the words of Jesus. They shook off the dust from the feet against them and came to Iconium. What did they do? What a failure. We could not win this place for Christ. Will they, they were all going on a sad retreat? No. But the Bible says, Verse 52, all of you read it aloud together. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Friends, we need to very clearly understand things in the biblical perspective. Otherwise, we'll be going on a dissolution. There may be a question. Going on prayer walks, is it wrong? It is not wrong, but it is unnecessary and unscriptural. It may be exciting, you know, all of us going around and then, you know, making some shouting and uh, or whispering. It may be exciting, but the, it won't have any big effect as you think. On the other hand, in a country like India, such activities will antagonize the non-Christian people. They don't like these militant activities. Even if you shout, don't shout India for Christ. Please shout Christ for India. You have to unnecessarily answer and face the BJPs when you make statement, India for Christ. That is not biblical. The Bible does not say India for Christ. New Testament does not teach world for Christ, but the New Testament teaches Christ for the world. 
So there is a twist in that understanding. That is why all these activities are going. It may be very, very sound and challenging if somebody stands on a pulpit and he shouts, we are taking India for Christ. No, you are not called to take India for Christ. You are called to take Christ to India. No, that is the clear teaching of the New Testament. We should put all these things together. We need to unlearn a lot of things before we learn the right truth. Then you have a question, brother, what about 1 Timothy 2nd chapter 8 verse? Therefore I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands with a wrath and doubting. Now what is the meaning of the word everywhere? It doesn't speak about streets outside the church buildings or church gathering halls. It speaks about the gathering of saints everywhere. For example, 1 Corinthians 1st chapter. Look at the second verse. To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In every place means wherever God's people are gathering. It was essentially in the church. Why? Paul says men will lift up holy hands. In the New Testament church, leadership is essentially male. So lifting up the holy hands and you lead the congregation in prayer. He was talking about a church discipline. Because the very next verse says, women should adorn themselves with propriety and moderation. I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man but to be in silence. So this is all church activity. So he was talking about what happens inside the church, not outside on the street. If you interpret this everywhere as outside on the street, then what is your explanation for which follows about women folk? So dear brothers and sisters, we need to be very careful. Any words you take, this is what I taught in the first seminar. Never take a text out of context. It becomes a pretext. Keep the text inside the context. Immediate context. Chapter context. Book context. Whole Bible context. Otherwise, it's misinterpretation. Otherwise, a lot of misleading. You know, this one verse... How it can, be it can be misinterpreted if we don't use it at that context. Don't be afraid. Studying the Bible is a very challenging journey. Brother, if things are like this, what about what all I have learned over the years? How many things I can unlearn? Don't worry. We are given the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth if we bow in reverence before the authority of the scriptures.
how many times i can say no 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 i should not have done this i should not have done this now i realize it is wrong it's a very awkward thing brother how to go about like that don't worry what did paul say when i was a child i spoke as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things in the sunday school we learn certain things but we don't carry them on exactly as it is when we move on to the adult classes now in sunday school or in the first sunday school we learn yes appa but when you go to adult school you say yesu vin appa so you just learn it so it is a change you grow in the knowledge when i was a child i spoke as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things and still i am growing when the perfect that which is come that which is imperfect will be done away we'll continue our study in the next segment god bless you